Good evening and welcome to Unbreak Your Health, the podcast program about the world of hope and health known as complementary and alternative medicine. I'm Alan Smith in Plano, Texas, author of Unbreak Your Health, the complete guide to complementary and alternative therapies. And tonight our topic is the effort to maintain our freedom to choose complementary and alternative medicine. And our guest is attorney Diane Miller, board member and spokesman for the National Health Freedom Coalition. And she is also their director of law and public policy. Diane was instrumental in getting Minnesota to pass one of the first health freedom laws in the nation. And she was one of the founders of the national organization to help others protect our freedom. Normally, I talk about the complementary and alternative therapies that are in my book, but the issue of health freedom is so important, I wanted to talk with Diane so she could bring everyone up to date on what's going on in our country today. Many of us are just shocked that people can take away our freedom to choose options outside of mainstream medicine, but I guess the battle between mainstream medicine and the world of complementary and alternative medicine has been going on for a long time, though, hasn't it? Yes, it has, and I actually did not realize that 30 years ago when my kids were little, that I went to the Yellow Pages to find, you know, different options, and there there were no other alternative options in the Yellow Pages. And now in Minnesota, we have naturopaths and homeopaths and all kinds of options for the consumers here in Minnesota. And I had no idea 30 years ago that it was because of the law that all of these people were working basically underground and kind of quietly, and people weren't telling their doctors about it. So the safe harbor bills are a very big part of the freedom movement, but in general, a hundred years ago when they started to license medical doctors, the state would come in and they would license medical doctors and they would license, they eventually licensed nurses and other professions, but they would have this language that would, in the law in most states, licensed professionals can lose their license if they go outside of the prevailing and accepted conventional standard of care. And so I have worked with many cases consulting attorneys that are defending doctors who have been shut down because they do holistic medicine. These people have lost their license. So we also work in states to help change the laws for licensed practitioners so that they can provide alternative health care treatments without losing their licenses. So that's another area on the state level. And a big one, because I know doctors down here in Texas who have been attacked by the medical board have actually filed a federal lawsuit against them. And yet we have this trend towards integrative medicine that I find to be in total contradiction to the fight by the medical community against alternative medicine. It seems almost like they're talking out of both sides of the mouth. Mm-hmm. Right. They want to have you know, real complete control over how they expand the conventional practices instead of allowing complete innovation to be coming in. The establishment still wants to have complete control. It's kind of out of their control now because it's getting so pervasive that they're not, you know, if they, now when they go after doctors, the grassroots just, you know, is is so awful that I think they're thinking twice before they go after people. But they still are going after some really good doctors. And so the conventional people are putting out statements where they will allow people to do certain things, like the nursing boards allow nurses to do healing touch. They won't allow a nurse to give out an herb, but they'll allow them to do healing touch. So they, they kind of want to call it integrative care and make the consumer feel like, oh, yeah, we're really up on things. But the people that are really innovators and that are really working to get people well are the people that need 
the protection of the laws because they're out there doing something that the conventional medicine does not want in their realm or feels like it's competitive or feels like it isn't proven. And yet I noticed there was a uh, medical survey recently that found up to half of U.S. doctors apparently are using placebos on a regular basis. So uh, Yes, I read that article <laughs> too. And one of the most interesting things to me about that was when they defined what a placebo was, only 2% of the ones using placebos were the little sugar pills. They were actually calling herbs vitamins and herbs, placebos, that's how they perceive them in their mind. So basically it was saying 48% of doctors are using alternative medicine and 2% are using sugar pills. <laughs> <laughs> but they didn't, they wrote it up as placebos and I thought that was quite interesting that that wasn't until the end of the article that they were acknowledging that the definition of placebo was very broad. It's a very interesting field we're working in right now. Yes, it is. Why, in your opinion, do you think we need to work to protect our freedom to choose our health care? What's really at risk in this situation in America today? This may sound pretty radical to a, a bystander, but when the government is in control of what information a culture can receive for health care, then that's basically a medical police state. And so if the government, with whatever interest it has to ties towards what they're endorsing, if that endorsement process only includes particular interest groups with financial interest and we are not allowed to be connected with natural remedies and things that are common sense oriented and we're mostly oriented to surgery and pharmaceutical drugs, we actually run the risk of losing our health in general as a culture. For instance, as more antibiotics are used, people's immune system get weaker, the more vaccinations. I mean, I was just hearing this vaccination thing that said that 146 antigens are introduced into a child before they're five or something like that. The immune systems from environment and from medical treatments can't tolerate that kind of abuse. And if you are banning natural things, prevention, and herbs, and supplements, and nutrition, you don't have what it takes to live in the toxic climate that you're living in. I mean, even our foods don't give us enough nutrients anymore, and that's very well documented. But if you don't let people take supplementation or you don't recommend it on a daily basis, these people are getting weaker and weaker because they think they're getting the nutrients from their foods, but they're not. So they're having mineral deficiencies. You run the risk of, if you're a drug-based, surgery-based culture, you run the risk of losing the strength of the species, that we will become weak as individuals and we'll spend all of our money doing disability in the culture. If the culture is weakening, and I think it's a survival issue, I think that we have to protect our access to Mother Earth to clean water, to nutrients, to sunshine. We have to protect the things that keep us alive. And many people don't realize that mainstream medicine just over 100 years ago was regularly using mercury and heavy metals as their standard protocol for treatment. Yeah. And it's why homeopathy had such a great track record uh, compared to mainstream medicine because they weren't poisoning people, literally. Yeah. So to, yeah. to limit our access to alternatives really paints us into a corner. 
Yes, and you know, it is evident that the financial interest of different segments is affecting those battles. Like everyone knows mercury is completely toxic, and so how did it end up that everybody got mercury in their teeth? And how did it end up that government, even until a month ago, was saying that mercury is still okay for teeth, and now they're backing off of that? I mean, but it took all those years of lobbying and why did that even happen? It's because of the relationships between government and financial interest between products. And the consumer is just a victim in that whole situation. So the health freedom movement is literally trying to protect as many natural options as possible, as many avenues of information, trying to make sure that an herbalist can practice, an herbalist can go out and have their farm and grow things, and that we don't lose the wisdom of the culture. What are some of the basic principles of the Health Freedom Coalition? Well, the basic principles are freedom of speech. You should be able to say what you know to somebody. You shouldn't go to jail because you're telling something truthful to somebody. You know, if you're saying chicken soup works for your cold, you shouldn't have to go to jail. So freedom of speech, freedom of speech on product labeling. So you shouldn't have to be banned from making a health claim on your product as long as it's truthful. So truthful speech. And freedom of association, you should be able to go to any practitioner you want. You should be able to choose the type of health care that you want. You should be able to build a relationship in full disclosure with a practitioner, know where their education is from, know what the nature of the remedy is that they're going to be using. So you should be able to freely associate with practitioners that you would like to choose. You should be able to have as any kind of information you want about health care. You shouldn't have to pay money to subscribe to Medline and stuff like that. I mean, we should have complete access to any health care information. Another principle is there should be no conflict of interest financially for people who are advising products and things for you to do. In other words, if they have a financial interest in selling you something, they should disclose that to you. So complete disclosure and lack of conflict of interest. And also another principle is that corporate responsibility, that corporations need to have some accountability for the any harm that they might cause because they are social institutions and instead of just going for the profit dollar, that's what they do as a corporation and that's a good thing, they should also be responsible to the community if what they're doing impacts the community. So corporate responsibility is very much part of the freedom movement. I think sovereignty is, is a big part of the freedom movement too to not automatically globalize and harmonize with other countries like the European Union. Just because the European Union wants to take all their supplements off the shelves doesn't mean that the United States has to. So we think that countries and cultures in particular states should be able to make their own decisions and not just for the sake of commerce make all their regulations like everybody else's so that commerce flows easier. It's really a human rights issue, so you should make those decisions based on what's good for the community you live in. Where do you want your products to come from? How clean do they have to be? Do you want access to them? Should they be taken off the shelf? And in the United States, we really appreciate the Dietary Supplement Act where we have access to all the nutrients that we want on the shelves and we have labels on them, and we have quality control standards for them, and 
we don't want that taken away from us like some other countries are. Listeners, if you're enjoying this podcast, then you'll love my new book. The second edition of How to Unbreak Your Health is your map to the world of complementary and alternative therapies. It features a new user-friendly format and 339 new and updated listings in 150 different categories. And you can get it on Amazon.com or at your local bookstore. What's our status in the U.S.? There are states, I assume, that are actually scoring some victories as far as securing health freedom? Uh, yes, like I said, in the United States, on the state level, they deal with occupation laws. So the naturopaths and homeopaths and healers want to practice. We have six free states now. They're Minnesota, California, Rhode Island, Idaho, Louisiana, and Oklahoma. And in those states, naturalists can practice without having a state-mandated license. And there's some client disclosures that they need to do and some prohibited conduct. But that occupation law, that is, for licensed practitioners, there's 27 states that holistic medical doctors can now practice. Uh, there's one state that all licensed healthcare practitioners can practice alternative medicine. And so the state level is occupation law. The federal level is more about product law. I mean, it's not totally, but that's just a generalization. So the product law is about commerce and when it goes across state lines, they make the Federal Drug Administration makes laws regarding dietary supplements and makes laws regarding drugs. And so we are working hard to protect the Dietary Supplement Act so that dietary supplements remain accessible to all United States citizens. Another thing we're doing is we're supporting a freedom of speech bill that says that the manufacturers can put truthful claims on their labels for dietary supplements so that people know how to use them because the FDA has never wanted health claims to go forward on dietary supplements. So we're saying stop the ban on free speech, let the dietary supplements put truthful health claims on their labels. And in fact, I know the FDA is very aggressively going after the supplement industry for claims on their websites also. The FDA doesn't want you to say anything about a dietary supplement, and they just let drug claims go forward. They are very, very restrictive on their dietary supplement claims. Very few have been approved. And even on their websites, the Federal Trade Commission is responsible for advertising language. And they're shutting people down for using truthful testimonies of clients. They can obviously shut people down for fraud or lies, but their truthful claims they will not let go forward. And it's amazing how much loss of freedom we have obtained <laughs> in the United States over health care issues. Laws have morphed into allowing the drug and surgery-based and device-based arena to go forward and has suppressed almost all the natural forms of health. And so what we're trying to do is craft laws that recognize that the state has the need to go in and protect consumers in some instances. And so we want to craft laws that give them the ability to shut people down or do cease and desist, but we also want to have the options open too. And that takes a lot of creative drafting and it takes time and it takes negotiations, which the health freedom movement was not at the table when most of these laws were passed. It was just 
special interest group lobbyists that were at the table when these laws were passed, the manufacturers of drug companies. So we are And they obviously got what they wanted. Yeah. They, I mean, the laws are all crafted around this. So we're just picking apart one by one, taking back our freedoms that were basically stolen from us while no one was watching. And then when everybody basically started realizing, hey, medicine is not the utopia that was promised to us, I want to try something alternative, they realized that the laws are all against them. And so the real work of the health freedom movement is educating the consumers that the laws of the country are not on their behalf and that they need to be changed. Speaking of which, what can people do to protect their right to choose complementary and alternative medicine? I think the best thing people can do is join a health freedom organization in their state or their local level. Any organization that is working for freedom of choice in health care, most states have a health freedom organization. We have many of them listed on our website. Our website is nationalhealthfreedom.org, and we have a little map, and then you can click on the different states. And these health freedom groups are just basically consumers that have come together saying, hey, we don't want you to put us out of business. We want health freedom in our state. For instance, right now, a group in New Jersey, basic consumers and natural practitioners got together because they tried to pass a law this month in New Jersey that was going to put criminal charges on anyone who said anything about nutrition unless they were a licensed dietitian. And the whole state is up in arms about it on a freedom of speech issue. And what we've done is we've helped them craft amendments to exempt out all lay people, herbalists, homeopaths, nutritionists, nutrition consultants, all these small businesses that, you know, use natural remedies and talk about nutrition to people. We're trying to exempt them out of that bill or defeat the bill. And these are basically local groups that have gotten together and they oftentimes don't know anything about lobbying. I didn't when I first went to the Capitol. And they have to figure out how the government works. And I think that's the real thing. In the United States, people have lost their activity of being politically active at their capital. They kind of delegated that to their representatives. And so I encourage people to join a group that actually is impacting what's happening at the Capitol. And that's what we do. We help people educate them about what the situation is in their state and who they can plug into to make sure that their state is taking back their health freedoms. Thank you for taking the time to talk with me about the National Health Freedom Coalition today. You're welcome. It's been great. You've just let me go off. (laughs) (laughs) And anyone wanting to learn more about the group should check out the organization's website at www.nationalhealthfreedom.org. You've been listening to the podcast edition of Unbreak Your Health, discovering the world of hope and health known as complementary and alternative medicine. I'll be back next week with another edition, but to learn more about our guest today, please visit the podcast page at www.unbreakyourhealth.com. We'd love to hear from you about this program. Please send your questions and comments to info at unbreakyourhealth.com. This program is a joint production of Unbreak Your Health and Loving Healing Press. Thank you for listening. I'm Alan Smith, and I look forward to being with you again soon. 